so excited for this new season. I believe we're in a new season. You know, God take us through seasons, and I believe this is a season to pioneer some things. I believe God created us to pioneer stuff. You know, God created us to bring change. You know, God didn't create you to be about you. He created you to be about others. You know, God created you to bless others. That's what a pioneer does. He makes other people's lives better. You know you met Jesus when you're, you're more concerned with other people than just yourself. Like, you know Jesus has really hit all the fields when you're like, what else can I do to bless other people? You know, religious people don't bless anybody, but Jesus' followers do. They, they love people, and they love being about God's people. Can you say amen? And so this is what we're doing uh, this next few months. And that's why we're going to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. We want to pioneer something big where the whole New England can say, man, there's a place that you can go and meet Jesus. And we love Jesus. And we love everything about Jesus. I can't say his name enough, Jesus, just for the fun of it. We just love Jesus. You know, if this whole thing is about Jesus. You know, if we miss Jesus, we missed everything. You know, if you get Jesus wrong, you get everything else wrong. I don't get what, what you think you got right in your life. You, didn't, you got Jesus wrong, you got everything else wrong. Because he's the way. So if, you don't, if you're not in the way, you're out of the way. Right? He's the truth. If you're not in the truth, you, you're in the lie. <laughs> right? And he said he's the life. If you're not living the life, you must be living a death. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So everything is about him. Uh, and, and, and I want to dig a little bit deeper today about what it means to be a pioneer. I want to talk to you about this new paradigm that Jesus came to set up for his people. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Matthew 28 and then Acts chapter 1. I want to I want to share with you the words of Jesus to his people and I believe that he's going to speak to us or he's going to continue to speak to us today. Can you say amen? amen. Matthew 28. Uh, this is Jesus' words to his disciples then and to his disciples now. This is when he rose from the dead, comes back and he gives them this commission. Okay? In other words, he gives them an assignment. This is what it means to be a pioneer, to go and do something more powerful that you can never do on your own. Jesus says this. He says, uh, I have been given all authority. It means like I have all the power in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can you say amen? Now flip through Acts or maybe go on your phone to Acts chapter 1 or your iPad, whatever you're using. Uh, if you have a flip phone, uh, I'm sorry. Um, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I pray God paradigms a new phone in your life. Uh, you need to pioneer your phone business if you're still flipping. Um, we're not flipping phones anymore. <laughs> Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power. Can you say power? power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Can you say amen? amen. You see, God is doing something new. Can you perceive it, the Bible says? Can you sense it? Can you see it? Can you, can you smell it? Can you, can you be in the fields of what God is doing? Because he's doing something new. If you're in the religious category, you miss it. But if you're following the Holy Spirit, you know God is up to something new in my life, but also in the life of his church. Can you say amen? You know, pioneers will make other people's lives better. That's what pioneers do. They, they, they create new paradigms 
for life, right? You say, what, what does that word mean? A paradigm means they create new models, new patterns of life. That's what a pioneer will do. He'll bring something different to the table. Whatever that field may be, it could be in the family business. It could be in, in, in where you go to work. It could be how you raise your kids. It, it could be how you do church. I believe God called us to New Bedford to pioneer a new way of doing church. Now, that's not for everybody, but guess what? God is saying, I want you to trail, to blaze a new trail for how church is meant to be, right? And those who want something new will come to it, and those who don't, God bless them. But I believe God said, I want you to pioneer something different. I want you to do something completely different that maybe the city has not seen before. Can you say amen? Amen. See, because pioneers, they bring change to a territory. When pioneers go to a territory, that territory is never the same again. Okay. Pioneers will bring change to a region. Pioneers will bring, they'll bring a paradigm shift to the field that they work in. Okay. It's a new model. It's a new pattern. They change the framework of how you see something. And I want to give you a few more examples of pioneers like I did last week. Right? For example, right, when, when you think about these two guys, you know that they have shifted the way we live our lives. Right? Steve Jobs have shifted the world. If you don't know who Steve Jobs is, do you have an Apple computer? Or do you have an Apple phone? That's, that's the person who has pioneered a whole new way of technology. Like the world will never be the same again because of Steve Jobs, right? And, of course, Walt Disney, right? All of us have been influenced by Walt Disney. Every single one of us. I'm a parent. I can't go a day without being influenced by Disney. I know the lineup. It's the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Come inside. It's funny inside. M-I-C-K-E-Y. The doc is here. She'll fix you up. If you're a toy, then you're in luck. You guys are not familiar with Doc McStuffing? Come on, Doc McStuff is the bomb. Right? I can't go a day without Disney because I have five kids under the age of 10. Right? But he has pioneered a new way of life. Right? All of us have been influenced by these guys. So if I was to ask you this question, right, I want you to have a 10-second debate with your, the person next to you right now, right? What, which one of these guys you think has made a greater difference in this world? Right? You've got 10 seconds to make your point, and then your, your friend has 10 seconds to, to, re, to respond. Who do you think has made a greater difference in the world? Go, 10 seconds. Uh, I, think that's, uh, I think that's 10 seconds. I'm going to give you another category to think about. How about when it comes to music? Who do you think has changed the landscape of music more than these guys right here? Okay. Some of y'all are like, who is Elvis? All the millennials are like, who's Elvis? All right. All right. So, listen, you all the crowd, you're going to debate Beatles versus Elvis. But if, you, if you're in the new crowd, how about Tupac versus Biggie? Who do you think has changed the game? Okay. Go, you got 10 seconds, go. All eyes on me. Uh, I'm going to give you one more, one more category. One more category. What do you think is more important? The man that invented texting or the man that invented toilet paper? 
Come on, you got 10 seconds. What's more important? I'm going to settle this one real quick. If you're a millennial, you're going texting. Because y'all don't go to the bathroom without texting. Right? If you're old school, you're like, uh, this ain't even a debate. <laughs> I need toilet paper. I need a lot of it. Oh, all right, let's move on. But anyways, <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to make a point that, that, that life has been shifted because these people have pioneered a new way of living. Right? In their, in their fields. Right? And so this is the same concept that God says, I've created you to pioneer something. Now, it may not be in this field, but maybe God's saying, I've created you to pioneer a new way of, of having a family. God has said, I've created you to, to, to pioneer a new way to be a parent. I've created you to, to pioneer a new way that people look at church. I've created you to pioneer a new way of doing business, that you can, you can prosper without being shady. Like God has something for all of us to pioneer. But it's in, it's in you to pioneer something, and that's what I want to get into today, that, listen, in every area in fields of life, there's always people or more than one person that will bring a paradigm shift. They shift things, right? Whether you agree with the political atmosphere right now, Trump has shifted politics, okay? And I don't mean that from a Democrat or, or, or Republican standpoint. I'm talking about a shift, Never before did we have a businessman become the president of the United States. Eight years ago, Barack Obama shifted politics by being the first president that was black. Or half black. I mean, whatever you want to see it. <laughs> but, he, but he pioneered a new way of thinking about who can become the president of the United States. Right? And so, and so right now, I believe this. There's something in you that God wants to pioneer. Right? God has put you on this earth. We want to clap? Let's do it. Write this down. God has put you on this earth to be an agent of change. That's what he's called you to. The believers in Christ are not meant to go somewhere and leave that place the same. If, if Jesus is true, again, if you've truly decided to follow Jesus, if you truly decide to follow Jesus, there's going to be some changes in you, but also through you. Okay? God will work in you, but he also work through you. That's what a pioneer is. When Jesus came... See, Jesus is the greatest pioneer. You know why? Because he shifted the way the world has become. Jesus is the greatest pioneer. Why? Because he didn't pioneer a certain field. He pioneered humanity. He pioneered a new way of life. Right? Even today, this is 2017 AD. I know means the year of the Lord. Like he shifted even our calendar before Jesus and after Jesus. He has shifted everything. There's not a place in the world where Jesus is not worshipped. Right now, as we speak, there's worship services going on in Africa, in the Middle East, in Asia, in every part of the world. Why? He has shifted the way we live life. There's about 2.2 billion people in the world right now who say they are followers of Jesus. Talking about pioneering. He shifted a whole way of living life. And he came to say, listen, I didn't just come to create a religion. I came to create a way to God. Jesus never wanted to start a religion. He wanted to establish this is how you live for God's will and God's purposes. And this is how you are one with God through what I've done for you. It's incredible when you study this man's life like I did last week. I want to show you a few more things. Like he, he, was, he was born in the middle of nowhere. You ever look at the map? Israel is tiny. 
right? In the middle of nowhere. This is why it's so incredible that he was more than a man because out of nowhere in a ghetto, he begins to change the world. Some people, I always talk about when they get out of where they are. Jesus is like, no, I'll start where I am. In the ghetto, in the middle of nowhere, he begins to change the landscape of humanity completely. Their life has never been the same again in this world. Even unbelievers can't deny what Jesus has done in the world. Everything has shifted from his birth. You know, the Bible says he was so normal looking that if you look at Jesus, you, 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 would, you would not have a second look. Like, the Bible says that he was just normal looking. I know Hollywood has made Jesus to be European now. He's got blue eyes. He's got beautiful shampooed hair, you know. <laughs> but the truth is, he was a Middle Eastern man. And the Bible says it wasn't about his physical appearance. Because God was making a point. God never looks at the physical. God's looking at the heart. God's always about what's going on inside of us. Because, because the physical never tells a true story. That's why I believe he says, I'm going to come normal as a normal human being, but I'm going to do things that are abnormal because it's about what's inside of the person that matters more than what's on the other side. Right. Begins to change the landscape of how we live life and how we see everything. You know what's crazy? When they came to arrest him, they had to pay Judas to pick him out. You ever thought about that? They didn't even know how he looked like. They're like, go show us who this man looks like. But the man that they never understood who he looked like, they knew he was making a difference because they wanted to kill him. Like, think about that. They're like, Judas, pick him out for us. And when they came, they're like, it's me you're looking for. And the Bible says they drew back because of it, the power of his authority. Right? So it's not the same that the world does. He does it completely different. Politics was changed. Why? They hated him. Because you know why? You know why some people don't like Jesus? Because Jesus will make you uncomfortable. That's the reason why some people don't want to come to church, because they know I have to change. It's hard to follow Jesus and stay the same. Something's got to give. Paul Jesus hated him because he, they knew, like, man, he, he doesn't even have to say anything. His presence brings conviction to our way of life. Oh, my God. Religious people hated him. They plotted to kill him. Why? Because they're like, he's disrupted our way of life. We were settled. We were comfortable. Can I tell you something? You want to follow Jesus, you will never be completely comfortable. Because he, he, he will always bring a new paradigm shift to the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act, the way you interact, and the way you, the, the way you handle money, and the way you talk to people. There's not an area in life. If Jesus is for real in your life, he's going to touch every area. Every area. And I don't mean Sunday mornings. I mean like life. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's not I have decided to go to a building. I decided to follow a lifestyle like his. Right? And that's the paradigm shift that takes place when a person really begins to follow Jesus. Something has to give. I believe this. When you begin to follow Jesus, you are comforted because you know who you belong to, but you are uncomfortable because you know I still have ways to go to be everything he's created me to be. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. But it's not a comfortable thing. Jesus will stretch you. That's why when people say they're bored with church, it's like you're bored because you don't have a following. You have religion. Jesus didn't come to make fans. He came to make followers. What's the difference? Well, fans are fickle. Everybody's a Patriots fan now. Everybody's a Warriors fan now. I've been a Warriors fan since 1991. My favorite basketball player growing up was Chris Mullin. They're like, Chris who? Chris Mullin. Play for the Warriors. 
It's a left-handed person. I'm left-handed. I want the shoe like him. That's why I became a Warriors fan. But nobody believes me. Why? Because we live in a day of bandwagon. Now, talk, speaking of, spiritually speaking, Jesus is looking for followers, committed followers, not fans. Okay? Because fans are up and down. Followers stay the same in the course of time. Can you say amen? Amazing is Jesus. But here's the most baffled thing about this whole thing is he, he comes to this moment. He's resurrected. He's defied death. And he says, now I want to pioneer through you. That blows my mind. The God of the universe wants to pioneer some things through us. Wait, come again? <laughs> like for real? Yes, for real. Like he uses regular people. His disciples were so stunned that he was raised again. The Bible says they were still doubting. Like, is this for real? Like, is he here for real? I love that. Why? Because that tells me that, that you don't have to have it all together for God to pioneer something through you. The first disciples didn't have it all together. They were still doubting. But God's like, no, I want to pioneer something through you. I want to use you to do something that you cannot do on your own. Can you say amen? Write this down. Jesus wants to partner with us. How would you like to have Jesus as a partner in your life? That's the reality of Christianity. It's mind-blowing. God wants to use us. The Great Commission is about him saying, I have pioneered a new way of life. Now you're going to help take this new way of life all over the world. Through you, doubting disciples. Through you, frail people. Through you, confused people. Through you, fickle people. I want to use you to pioneer something. And that's encouraging because that tells me all of us can be part of this. Because if you have it all together, you have it all figured out, raise your hand and get out. (laughs) I'm waiting. Scanning for perfection here. That's what I thought. That means we're all in. Like, we, all of us can be used by God. He says, I pioneer a new way of life. Now it's your turn. You know, when we do weddings, at the end of the wedding, we always say, by the power invested in me, I now pronounce you husband and wife. That's the same concept. He's saying, by the power invested in me, I now pronounce you pioneers. I now pronounce you disciples. I now pronounce you my followers. That's what it means to follow Jesus, is that I've been commissioned by Jesus. But the problem is religion says, I have to have it all figured out. I have to be all perfect. I have to have everything lined up for me to follow Jesus. No, Jesus is saying, no, I have the power. You do the going. I'm the one with the power. I'm the one that will, 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 will pronounce you, not you. You can't pronounce yourself. I'm the one that has the power to pioneer you into new realms of life. Are you following? Don't be distracted. I'll stay here. Focus here, right? It's a new way of pioneer life, right? It's a new way. Don't get distracted because there's another person that tries to pioneer something else, okay? Focus on the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do with our lives right now, okay? There's a new way of life that Jesus wants to bring, and he will love. See, the enemy will love for you to become religious. You know why? Religious people don't make a difference. They just there, but they don't do anything. Right? Disciples bring change. Why? Because they know I'm being changed, then I'm bringing change. Disciples know I don't have to have it all figured out. Disciples say, no, I'm available. I've decided because I've decided in the going, I'll make disciples. It's a powerful thing when he says, go and make disciples. He's saying, saying, you don't have to go to another country to make disciples. You just got to go. 
You know how practical that is? That means like tomorrow morning when you get up, your disciple don't go. Because some people think God doesn't work on Mondays. <laughs> right? We think God is amazing on Sunday, but on Mondays, he, he takes Mondays off. No, no, no. Those are the moments to really become the disciple. Those are the moments to really now, okay, I received your commission on Sunday. Now I need to go live it out, what you asked me to be during the week. He says, go. I'll do the powering. You do the going. Okay. Jesus says, go, and I'll do the rest. They're like, what do we say? He said, don't worry about what you say. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Which is awesome because it tells you it's a full reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Religion is, I'm trying my best here. You ever talk to religious people? They're scary. Right? Ah! It's like, I don't care how you do it. Like, you can't produce something you don't have. Right? You heard me tell this joke before. An apple doesn't go, I want to become an apple. Ah, I'm going to uh, birth an apple. You don't birth sanctification. That's the Holy Spirit's job to sanctify you, to purify you, to cleanse you, to restore you, and then empower you to go. He says, I'll do the power. You do the going. It's about where you are. In your going, you're making disciples. But you got to go. As you live, bring new life. I love the name of our church because it's more than a name. It's a statement. As you go, bring new life there. Tomorrow morning, as you go to work, bring it with you. Right? Like, wherever there's people of Jesus, there should be new life. I've been just fascinated by how much God's working here. Everywhere I go now, people go, new life. And it's awesome. Why? That tells me the Great Commission is happening. Yeah. I go to stop and shop, I hear new life. I, I, I go eat. Yesterday, we're in Providence, eating in a restaurant. They're like, oh, the owner goes to new life. <laughs> and then the guy that came to save us, he goes, good to see you. I'm like, good to see you. Because sometimes I don't recognize people that goes to new life. <laughs> Everywhere you go, you bring new life. <laughs> bring it with you. That's what a disciple does. Right? But you can't give what you don't have. You got to be a follower, not a fan, to bring new life. Everywhere I go, people are saying new life. And I meet people everywhere, and it's awesome. We have over 80 crews that meet during the week. Over 80 crews. That tells me there's new life happening everywhere. We just had an incredible time with the junior hires from all our campuses getting together to do what? To do new life. It's happening. The question is, are you part of it? Are you part of it? It's simple. But it requires everything. I, I pray that gets in your system. It's simple, but it requires everything. You know why? Because God's not looking for part-time fans. He's looking for full-time followers. Amen. This ain't a Sunday morning thing. This is a lifestyle. That everywhere I go, I can't help it. New life is in me, so it's going to come out of me. If something is in you, sooner or later, it's going to come out. In worship, you ever find yourself like, man, I don't know what's happening, but I just want to reach out. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit gets in you, it's going to come out of you. It's simple, but it requires everything. Look how simple it is, right? It's simple. He said it's three things, right? It's, it's, it's make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. 
Simple, right? You don't have to have a degree to do any of this. All you have to do is be a follower. Because what you have, you want to give. Right? Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. So people, once in a while people will say, what's my calling? Uh, hello. <laughs> what does God want me to do in life? I don't know. <laughs> what is God's plan for my life? I don't know. <laughs> do I have to pray about it? I don't know. Do I have to go to Bible school? Well, the disciples were fishermen and tax collectors, simple people that God said, you go. You know why? Because professional people get in the way. <laughs> professional people have to be all, you know, got to speak proper. You got to have the right prayer. You got to have this. You got to have the big Bible and all that stuff. No. Jesus says, no. You do the going. I'll, I'll be the professional. Okay. You just make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. I'll take care of the rest. Now, we got to get over some misconceptions here about this means. Because a lot of people have misconceptions, right? Can I give you three of the major ones real quick? Look, when people say, when life settles down, then I'm really going to devote myself to the things of God. When is that ever going to happen? When is life ever going to settle down? We have five kids under the age of 10. When do you think life is ever going to settle down? You tell me, Captain Obvious, tell me. No, we do the going, he does the empowering as we go. All you have to do is be available. If we had that mindset, we would never start this church. Because when we started this church, we were pregnant. Well, she was. I was just, you know. I was support. It's a lie. I hear people talk about, I have a kid now. I really need to focus. Focus on what? On teaching him how not to do anything? Because for me, having kids put a sense of urgency on how to live my life to the fullest so I can teach them how to live the right way. Not settle down, not sit down, not, you know, I don't have time. Man, I don't know about you, my kids put the urgency in me to say I better live my life to the fullest because I have now little ones that are looking at me. Imagine growing up and you say, I didn't do anything because I had you. They're going to need therapy. It's my fault. My dad and mom never reached their potential. Don't put that on your kids. That's a life in the pit of hell. Okay? People make time for what's important to them. If it's important to you, you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Number two, people say, leave it to the professionals. And the question they always have is, who are those? Because last time I checked, they were just simple disciples, fishermen every day that Jesus is like, I do the empowering, you do the going. There's no professionals in this thing. Actually, professionals get in the way. Can I tell you the biggest obstacles we've had in three years here? Are the professionals. You can't have church like that. <laughs> had a guy call the office the other day. What do you think you guys are? This is a rock star? Is this a rock concert? Uh, sir, it's better than a rock concert. <laughs> I mean, you ever been to a rock concert? <laughs> this is better. <laughs> get your facts straight. <laughs> This is much better, man. I've been to a rock concert, man. This is better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the professionals get in the way. You don't have to be a professional. You just have to be willing. You just have to be available for God to use you. And then the last one is, I'm not qualified. And again, the question is, who is? Like, who is qualified to speak for God? Do you know how I feel every Sunday getting up here? 
saying, I represent Jesus. I'm speaking on behalf of Jesus. No, he empowers you to do that. There's not something you do on your own strength. You're not qualified. You will never be qualified. The more unqualified you are, the more qualified you are. That's the truth. Why do you think he picked those disciples? He was making a point. He picked Peter. <laughs> if you ever look at Peter's life, he's crazy. He's cutting people's hair like Peter was a thug. Peter was slicing and dicing, and Jesus was like, yo, Peter, chill. <laughs> he picked John. John, the beloved, the original Joel Osteen. But John came back from a mission one day. They didn't listen to him. He's like, Jesus, can you send down fire on them? He's like, whoa, time out, John. You're supposed to be the nice one. And he said it nice too. Yeah, Jesus, I, it would be great if you just rained down fire on them. He's like, whoa, time out, John. He picked people that were worried about their position. They're like, they're like yo, Jesus, who do you like better? Jesus is like, chill, chill. That's not what life is about. He picks the unqualified. Because when God calls you, he qualifies you. And can I give you something else here? Has Jesus changed your life? If he changed your life, raise your hand. Like, for real. Like, Jesus, you've had an encounter with Jesus, changed your life. Guess what? You're qualified. You're qualified. Because you are an expert in you. Right? No one can refute you. What? You can argue the Bible. You can argue. I don't know the Bible, but I know this. Jesus has changed my life. Yeah. That makes you qualified, right? Because some people know the Bible, but Jesus never changed their lives. I know people who know the Bible who don't know anything about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But, it, but it's awesome when you know Jesus. You want to know his word. <laughs> right? So, so no one is qualified. He's the one that qualifies us. Right? And the more unqualified you think you are, the more. Go read the Bible. Go look at people like Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David. All jacked up people. But when the power of the Holy Spirit get on them, they do amazing things. They pioneer amazing things. When you just say, God, I'm not qualified, but you can qualify me. You can have your way in me. Tell your story. You're an expert in your story, man. I, I was this way, and Jesus came in, and everything began to change. He's still changing me, by the way. You know what I mean? He's not through with me yet, but guess what? I'm on my way. That's your story. No one can refute your story. No one can take away your experiences. You are the greatest revelation that Jesus is real. Not the Bible. You. You. If he has touched you, then you know it's real. Right? One of my favorite testimonies in the Bible is the blind man, right? They're like, do you know who healed you? He's like, I was blind. Like, I'm a husband. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Captain Obvious. (laughs) I'm blind, <laughs> you know, but I love what he said. He says, I was blind, but now I see. That's your story. I was blind, but now I see. I was broken, but now he's fixing me. I was hurting, but now he's putting me together. I was depressed, but he's bringing joy to my life. I was addicted, but he set me free, you know. Come on, you got a story. You have a story. Church, have you ever made a disciple? Serious question. Have you ever made a disciple? You ever sat down with someone and said, let's talk about Jesus? You ever took someone off for coffee because you're like, I've been thinking about you. God wants me to share some things with you. The enemy's so good. You know what he's made life about? What about me? 
What about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? The more me focused we become, the more miserable we are. That's what people don't realize. That's not the solution. Reach out and watch the things you're reaching out for come back to you. When was the last time you made a disciple? Here's my challenge to all of us, and I mean every single one of us. If you say you're a follower of Jesus, I pray this year you disciple someone into into the church of Jesus Christ. This year, I pray all of us. Come on. Embrace the challenge. And I don't care what it takes. Because it's the greatest thing you will ever do. I don't care if your, your heart is beating fast and your palms sweaty and you were like Eminem on 8 Mile. I don't care. As long as you do it. Because too many people live in their heads. This thing is meant to be lived out. Tell the truth, even when your voice shakes, at least tell it. Because there's life and death here. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever feel broken for other people? Do you ever drive to the city and pray for it because you're like, man, Jesus, you need to come to the city? Do you ever feel that way? That's the burden I believe Jesus puts on his people. There's not a day that I don't drive to the Bedford and I'm praying for these houses and I'm praying for these people driving by me. The man that just flipped me off, Jesus, bless him. Break his finger, Jesus. <laughs> I'm joking. Like, like, I'm like John. <laughs> I know you love him, but break his finger. <laughs> Listen, let this be the year you pioneer someone into the church. Some of you, I pray, you take the challenge, you say, God, give me a row. Give me my own row of people. I pray next time we do baptisms, right, when they come out of baptism, they look at you because they knew you played a role in them being baptized. Come on now. It's a duty that we have to make disciples. This is not an optional thing, by the way. I don't don't think people realize, like, that's religion. Right? This is the call. Like, you may not be called to be a full-time pastor, but you're called to be a full-time Christian. It's not a Sunday morning thing. We're not going to change a region by doing religion. We change a region by being pioneers of a new way of life. Let me ask you one more question. Do you enjoy this church? Do you enjoy this church? Be honest with me now. If you do, don't you think others might too? So do you share it? Do you talk about it? Do you post about it on Facebook? Because, because when I love something, I don't keep it to myself. I want others to have it. Why do we do so much with video and, and social media? Because we know there's one more person who needs to hear this. There's one more person. Why are we going to Dougie Norton Center? You know how much work that is? Why do we go through all that hassle? It's because we know there's one more person that could come to know Jesus Christ. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Right? Sometimes I see Christians post about everything else. But it's like, man, won't you post about the greatest thing on the face of the planet, which is Jesus and his church? Right? I would even see Christians that go to our church, they post about Joel Osteen and Stephen Furtick, and God bless those guys. I love those guys. We look up to them. But it's like, man, don't you think your church is awesome too? And people should know about it right here in New England. Because that's Houston, and that's North Carolina. What about New England? 
there's something good going on here. I don't know about you guys, but man, there's not a lot of churches like this one. I don't want to take it for granted. I want to tell everybody about what God is doing in this place. And that's not an ego thing. That's a mission thing. That we're put here to help people. You know why? Why do we do all this stuff? It's because we believe it. You know how many people have told us, I've came to church because I saw a clip on Facebook. Use your Facebook to pioneer something. Use your social media to pioneer something. Nobody wants to know more about cats. We've seen enough. You know my theology. Cats ain't from God. I just... Or your dogs. Or how many cookies you baked today. Oh, you just got out of shower. Who cares? Can we share life with people? Let's share life with people. Now, let me illustrate this for you. Like Jesus said, right, you, he said to them, look, start in Jerusalem. Okay, can you, can you go to my, my commission in here? Look, why did he say Jerusalem? Because that's where they lived. So start where you live. Right? You don't have to go to Kenya. Start where you are. Right? I, I tell my students, I'm like, if you want witness to your neighborhood, why would you go to Kenya to go witness? <laughs> Makes no sense. Start where you are, he said. Right? It says, but then we've got to branch out, right? He says, now, then you go to Judea, right? Judea was the region around them, right? He says, but then, then you've got to go a little bit further because guess what? When you start here, you're gaining more people who are about it so they can take it farther, right? You don't have to do all the work. You just got to do the ones that's in front of you, and God will do the work in their, in their heads. It's a domino effect. Then he says, now you've got to go to Samaria. Now, this is a challenge because they didn't like Samaritans. Jesus is like, I want you to go to the people you don't like. Hello, somebody. Right? He says, the gospel is for everybody. Right? You can't be picking and choosing who you think is going to get saved. Because in my experience, the ones you don't think will get saved are the ones that get saved. And the ones who are good tissues never get saved. I'm telling you. That's why I love testimonies. You hear people, crazy people get saved. And you're like, man, God is so good. And then the ones that think they're good, God's like, when, when you're done being good on your own, you can come. And then he says... Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then we branch out to the ends of the earth. Like I told you, today, as I speak, there are churches all over the world. The biggest revival right now happening in Iran. In Iran. In a Muslim nation. People are getting saved more than anywhere else in the world right now. Why? Because Jesus never stopped working. If you're willing, he will use you. Now, let me bring this closer to us, right? Let me bring this close to us. We're here. We're here. We're right here. Do you take ownership of the place that you are? You don't live in a bedford. Where do you live? Do you pray for your neighbors? Do you, do you reach out to them? Do you teach them? Do you tell them about what's going on at Dunkin' Donuts Center? Do you tell your coworkers about what's going on? Or are you too good to tell someone else about the good of the, of the Lord? Do you take ownership of it? Because I, I, I see a lot of people curse where they live. It's like, how are you going to curse this, the very branch you're sitting on? Shouldn't you be blessing it? Shouldn't you be watering it? Shouldn't you be conditioning it for better things to come? Come on, we need to stop taking position of authority and pray for where we are. Worst, worst is when we partake in the things that we shouldn't partake in. That's even worse. Like, people are in sin and we're living in sin with them? Think about that. We're supposed to be the solution, right? 
Do you know what the greatest challenge to Christianity is? Is other Christians who don't live it. That's it. That's the greatest challenge to Christianity. Nothing challenges Christianity more than that. When people who are supposed to have the truth live in lie. But you so you're starting to Bedford and then you branch out. Right? We have a whole state to reach. That's why we have a, a church in forever. And we have more to come. But here's the key. The key is not so much about the churches. The key is about the people bringing new life to where they are. And then that begins to shift things. Like, I pray you go home today and you see yourself as, I am a carrier of new life. Not a church, but new life in Christ. Okay? And then there's a whole region. This is why we're going to Dungeon Donut Center. We're making a big statement. Say, we want a whole region, God, of people. And then God gives us outlets to go to the ends of the earth. We just had a group come back from Kenya. We'll do that again. Why? Because it starts here, though. Right? If we're not doing it here, how are we going to do it there? Right? There's a domino effect. But here's the catch. You can't give what you don't have. If you're not a disciple, how are you going to make disciples? What? I'm not qualified. Yeah, we already established that. But can can you take Jesus' call seriously enough to now, to now work on being qualified? Because the catch is this. We say, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The invitation is to come as you are, but leave as you're meant to be. That's the gospel. The gospel is not, I'm forgiving, but I keep doing the same exact thing. I keep living the same exact life. No, that's not the gospel. That's religion. The gospel is, man, Jesus has changed me, and he's still changing me. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. And I'm working on becoming qualified. Like, I don't just say, I don't know the Bible. No, I spend time with the Bible now because that's God's word. I need to know God's word. I need to know why I believe the things that I believe. I need to be praying. I need to be fasting. I need to be inviting people. Why? Because that's when my faith is real. That's when it really becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. So be prepared to do your job. Why? We love the pats. Why? There was a saying, do your job. Well, do your job as a Christian. Do your job. Do your diligent job to get up every day and say, Lord, use me. And you're like, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. Who, you know, so funny when people say stuff like that. Because it's like, wait, what? You, what you, think the, you think the calling is like the moment you try, you're done? Who hits the most home runs? The people that strike out the most. But we don't talk about the strikeouts. We talk about their home runs. But in order to hear home runs, you have to keep stepping up to the plate and keep swinging again. So in other words, you may invite 50 people to show up, but guess what? That's two home runs. Praise God. That's two home runs. Two out of 50, that's a really good stat. If you keep hitting home runs, it's the home runs that excites you to keep going. But the enemy will love for you to focus on the strikeouts. We don't, we don't serve a God of strikeouts. We serve a God of home runs. We serve a God that's not done with us yet, but he's like, man, keep going. I'll keep filling. You go, I do the feeling. You put yourself in a situation, and I will bless you for it. You push, you pray, I'll pioneer. You push, you pray, I'll do the pioneering. Right? You put me first, and you keep seeking after me, and I'll do the pioneering. I'll take care of your house. I'll take care of your kids. I'll take care of your finances. I'll take care of you. You put me first. Watch me do the rest. It's the number one question that we get all the time. How do we do it? Five kids, full-time ministry. You just do it. You push, you pray, and God takes care of the rest. And we're blessed for it. I would not change my life for anything in this world. 
Because everything that you have right now, if it's not pointing people to Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Right? I don't care how much money you make. If your money is not going to work to help people get to Jesus, then your money is worthless. I don't care how many houses you have. If your house is not going to house people and bring hospitality and have crews over your house, then your house is worthless. I don't care how many cars you have, right? I don't care how beautiful your car is, but if it's not a car where you can pick up people and bring them to church and bring them to Dunkin' Donuts Center, then your car is worthless when it comes to eternity. All that matters is people. That's all that matters. Everything else is rubbish. The world behind me, the cross before me. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not a fan. I'm a follower. And that's every day. That's Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Sunday, I come to get refilled and refocused. I go out again and be who Jesus called me to be. Would you stand with me as we pray?